Hi, Disney fans. This week, we're talking Lucasfilm's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny with its director, James Mangold, as well as its co-stars, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Mads Mikkelsen, Ethan Isidore, Seanette Renee Wilson, and Boyd Holbrook. Wow, what a great group. The film star Harrison Ford brought down the house when he and Phoebe took the stage inside Hall D23 at D23 Expo 2022. Oh yes, I heard about this. The audience had just seen some early footage of the film, which finds Indy dusting off his fedora and leather jacket for one final adventure after a rare artifact is stolen by his estranged goddaughter, Helena. I'm Courtney. I'm Lisa. And I'm Sherry. And this is D23 Inside Disney. Do you guys remember the very first Indiana Jones movie you saw? I do. I grew up on Indiana Jones. I have some really magical memories (laughs) of his adventures. (laughs) Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, yeah, literally, I could watch that movie all the time. The Last Crusade. Those are just some of my favorites. And I do, I remember literally watching this as a kid and sharing it like with my brother, literally, like it was just one of those things where you would kind of bond over it. And it was really, really special. Aww. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I started, I think a week ago with my little four-year-old and he's obsessed. He is excited about everything Indiana Jones and I am pumped to bring him for a dial of destiny. So, so cool. I've got to say, though, you guys know, right? The correct order is Temple of Doom, actually. And the timeline is first. And then it goes Raiders. Uh Right? Isn't that super interesting? I mean. Did not know that. So many incredible fun facts about this franchise. I have one more for you guys. Did you know that Ki Hui Kwan's younger brother, David, auditioned for the role of short round in Temple of Doom first? Ooh. (laughs) No way. He didn't get it. Ooh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was going to say sibling rivalry. I don't know. No, but I think it was all good because after Key's audition, it was only three weeks later that he and his mother were on a plane to Sri Lanka to start shooting the film. I'm sure there's probably some brotherly love there, though. They've got to be so proud. I mean, look at Key. We still see him out. He is just like such a star. Winning awards. Yeah. Killing life. Oh, yeah. Our king. <laughs> king Key. I like it, Sherry. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, Let's talk about the locations from the films because they are all so iconic. All right. I've got a question for you both. Where would you rather travel in real life? Tunisia, which stood in for Cairo, Egypt in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yosemite National Park, where the opening River Rapids scene was shot for Temple of Doom. Petra Jordan from Last Crusade. Or Argentina's Iguazu Falls from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ooh. Okay, oh, so this so is not good. hard for me because I hate long plane rides. So sign me up for Yosemite <laughs> National Park. <laughs> <laughs> Easy enough. <laughs> She's like, I'll get in my car. That's totally fine. <laughs> I would have to say Tunisia because I just loved, like I said, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love also the character of Sala and meets up with him in Cairo. So I just always thought that that was such a cool place. You guys, honestly, though, true story. I almost wanted to go to Petra this year in Jordan. Oh. I'm sorry, Courtney. I'm ready to get on a plane. I need to go to these places. <laughs> okay, I will I'll just, join you on that plane. I will follow there we go, Sherry. on Instagram because I'm not getting on a flight that's more than five hours. But <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of indie films, for Dial of Destiny, the filmmakers actually recreated the ticker tape parade in New York City, celebrating the 1969 Apollo 11 moon landing. Um, oh. They actually shot it in Glasgow, Scotland, and used as many as one thousand background actors as parade goers and vietnam war protesters wow so cool i I would fly to new york for that 
two hour plane ride. But they shot it in Scotland, right? So I oh, don't know. Shoot, maybe never mind. that might be against your code. <laughs> You're right. Never mind. Not going. That's, that's okay. They'll shoot in New York and they'll comp you in. Exactly. Sure. He's like, here we go. You're going to Scotland. We've signed you yeah. up already. Yeah, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, even more fun for us, there's trivia. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Let's do it. How many Academy Awards has the Indiana Jones film series been nominated for thus far? We've got some options for you. A, 13, B, 14, C, 15, and D, 16. I'm going to go big and say 16 because there's so many movies and there's just so many award categories. I'm going to go D, 16. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go Price is Right style and say 13. (laughs) (laughs) That was your equivalent of like $1. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You both were very close. Clearly, with these options, it was actually B14. Ah, so close. And then also, the series has won a total of seven, and Raiders was also given a special achievement award for best sound effects editing. I'm sure, though, like John Williams was in there, like wrangling all of those nominations because John Williams, I can't even handle his genius. Oh, yeah. So smart. So, so smart. <laughs> all right. Last question for you all. Which of these Indiana Jones series character names were actually inspired by the pets of the film's creators? All right. So these are all inspired by pets, or some of them are. Your choices are, one, Indiana Jones, <laughs> two, <laughs> Sala, three, Willie Scott, four, Marcus Brody, five, Short Round, six, Molo Ram, and seven, Basil Shaw. I'm going to go with number seven, Basil Shaw. That sounds very pet namey, character namey. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go with one, Indiana, Indiana Jones. I don't know. I just, I want to use this name every possible chance I can get. So, I mean, maybe that was used. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, one of you is correct. The answer is Indiana. Indiana was the name originally mm-hmm. borrowed from George Lucas's Alaskan Malamute. Mm-hmm. Also, Willie Scott. So Willie's name came from Steven Spielberg's Cocker Spaniel. And then Short Round. That's such a good name for a dog. Short Round <laughs> was the name of the dog belonging to Temple of Doom screenwriters Willard Hike and Gloria Katz, who were themselves inspired by the 1951 film The Steel Helmet. Mm-hmm. Although, wow. you know what, Courtney? Basil Shaw is a great pet name. So good. I'm going to buy a pet and name it Basil Shaw so that I will be right. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> well, Lisa, I know you got to chat with a ton of folks from the film for this episode. So I'm sure they had some great stories. They sure did. With so much to cover, let's get right into it. Here are James Van Gold, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Mads Mikkelsen, Ethan Isidore, Seanette Renee Wilson, and Boyd Holbrook. We are very thrilled for our first guest, director James Mangold. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lisa. Okay, so Indiana Jones is absolutely iconic. What does Indy mean to you, and what's your personal history with the character? Well, my personal history, I'll start with that, was that I confronted him, how many years ago did the first one come out? 1981, so we're looking at 42 years ago. On this day that we're taping this interview, I sat in the... Orange County Mall's Twin Cinema on the first matinee. I think I was alone in the theater. Obviously, the crowds were yet to arrive. And saw this movie, I was 17 years old, and was blown away. Blown away by the 
what was obviously a movie that was made by people who are in love with movies and also an incredible character story. You know, when you ask me what I love about indie specifically, it's, it's kind of goes along with loving Harrison, but that he works so hard and the character, Indiana Jones, is heroic, of course, brilliant, but also filled with flaws and contradictions that as much as it's a kind of spectacular adventure, it's also a character piece about a guy who has a hard time with relationships, has a kind of wrecking crew of past relationships behind him who seems to kind of find singular peace when dealing with artifacts and archaeology, but doesn't really know how to cope with kind of the world around him. All these eccentricities and parts of his character brought to me a sense of comedy and humanity and contradiction. And when you get to know Harrison, you understand so much of this is who he is as an actor. You know, every day he arrives on set and he looks at the pages we're shooting that day and he's always trying to analyze them for how he can kind of work against the text or undo some of the more kind of heroic tropes so that the character is more indie in a sense because so much of that character and so much of his charm you know, is where have we ever had a hero who's both swashbuckling and capable, but also frightened of snakes, cranky and whiny when he's uncomfortable. It's such a beautiful stew. Such a beloved character. And as you're saying, such a beloved talent in Harrison Ford. He's a character that's also so much like us. We identify with him because we all carry with us our fears and our anxieties as well as our capabilities. That's exactly it. That's why he's so beloved, the humanity of what you're talking about. But... <laughs> He's adventurous, but comedic all at the same time. For you, you're talking about how you are a fan from the first film. Were there any pinch me moments with Harrison Ford on set now that you're filming with him? The last adventure of Indiana Jones. Well, of course. I mean, every day was a kind of incredible experience in feeling both the magic of what I've been dropped into. I mean, that kid, 17 years old, on this day, you know, 42 years ago, sitting in that theater... I already knew I wanted to be a movie director and a movie writer, but I never thought I'd be actually collaborating on a film with Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg and John Williams and George Lucas and Kathy Kennedy and John Rice davies And the idea that I'd actually get to work with those people was beyond the imagining of that young man sitting in that theater. The best adventure I imagine ever. An awesome responsibility. You feel this character in this world means so much to so many people. And you need to both try and deliver what people hope for, but also try and take it someplace new at the same time. I wanted to speak more to that then because you've actually spoken about this, the idea of a hero at sunset. And you sound, and I feel it, that you have such a reverence for this character. How did you take the past adventures, knowing that this was the last adventure, Hero at Sunset, how did you bring that all together for this film? Well, part of it is just the dictates of what we had to work with. Harrison will be the first to tell you, he's old. So the reality is you can't make a movie that's built on a lie. You know, we've seen these pictures where some older actor is running around pretending he's 30, and the whole film is kind of dishonest or a vanity project. It may not challenge some viewers, but it also never challenges us emotionally because we're not really tracking the real person and where they are in their life. 
part of also what Indiana Jones is, is he's a hero of the golden age. The golden age of cinema, the golden age of the kind of, of World War II, when good and evil were really clear, when the Allies were on one side and the Nazis were on the other. By the time we find Indy in his 70s, in the late 60s, it's not the same America, it's not the same world, and we can't pretend it is. You wouldn't recognize the movie if I did. Evil is less clear. The enemy of our enemy is our friend. The heroes anymore are not people like Indy looking backward, but astronauts looking forward, rock stars, the Beatles, the Stones. The world, the culture has moved on. And what's evil and what's good is a grayer question. All those seemed like not limitations, but opportunities. How do we take a guy who's always seen the world so clearly in such black and white terms and find him in a time of greater moral fog? And what does he do in that time? And to me, the idea that we might find Indy having been, times have changed around him and he kind of finds his mojo again in the course of our movie seemed really exciting. So incredibly exciting. We're such huge fans of the franchise. Fans of you, director James Mangold. Thank you so much for the time today. We can't wait for this movie. My pleasure, Lisa. Be good. Thank you. Next, we have our dynamic duo in the film, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Ethan Isidore. Thank you both so much for joining us. Hi. Hello. Okay, so first off, Indiana Jones has a goddaughter. Phoebe, did you ever imagine you'd be such a thing? Imagine if I said yes. <laughs> um, no, no, never, never. I was completely knocked sideways by the offer and then by the script. And it's a really wonderful feeling when you read something and you think, oh, I 100% want to do this. There's no hesitation. And such a big part of it was that our dynamic and this friendship that they have and these two kind of like rascals who are just scampering around the world together and the two kind of outsiders, survivors working together and pickpocketing and <laughs> being kind of just just thieves. working out, being thieves and outlaws. Yeah. I mean, it's just a dream come true. And <laughs> that's what's so wonderful about this whole film is that everyone is slightly broken <laughs> and they're all looking for a family. And it really felt like that on set, actually. A lot of broken people looking for a family. <laughs> Bits of artifacts, but they're obviously very, they're treasure, right? So you're talking a little bit about Helena and Teddy. So Ethan, tell us about Teddy. Teddy is a streetwise kid from Tangier and um, he knows the city by heart because he grew up there and um, he's helped by Helena and she's like his <laughs> big sister, I guess, like she kind of adopted him. They're both thieves and they would do everything for money. And I think I love that about these characters. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, they know what they want. It's very simple. But exactly. <laughs> I, I hear it's a little complicated. How would you describe Helena's relationship with Indy? There's more there, I think. Right, Phoebe? Yeah. So Indy last saw Helena when she was, I think, 12, 11 or 12. And so when she comes back into his life, He's at a sort of crossroads. Well, he's not even at a crossroads. He's just at a dead end. <laughs> wow. And he doesn't see any more adventures ahead of him. The world has changed. It's all about technology and future and shooting for the moon rather than looking back into history. And so he's kind of a bit stuck. And then in breezes this character, asking him to look at photographs of his friendship with her father. And, and he gets kind of romanticized by the memory of who he used to be and the adventures he used to go on. And she tries to encourage him to go on this one final adventure. 
unbeknownst to him though she actually has her own secret agenda and it isn't quite as adorable as he first thinks so she runs rings around him at the beginning and then he very much runs rings around her as the film continues i love how you mentioned the beginning there let's go back to the beginning your first day on set do you both remember just being there it was their magic like did you feel it oh my gosh i'm finally here on set for an indiana jones movie <laughs> yes. yeah i felt like that <laughs> really did feel like that yeah it was unbelievable. But the first time we were on set was in Glasgow, right? Yeah, the first time. And they turned Glasgow into 1960s New York. Yeah, we're going back and in just, time. And like, yeah, it was so crazy. many extras and yeah. everyone in like amazing 60s and, clothes. And, and I remember like people were actually in a restaurant. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just, shot, just going past like that. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But then Harrison wasn't around then because he'd hurt his shoulder punching a Nazi. So we were all yeah. doing it without him and his amazing stunt double Mike was sort of standing in for him. So that was one thing, but it became a whole other type of reel once we came back to the studio and Harrison had healed his shoulder and suddenly we were there with the man himself. With Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, I remember when he first put on the full outfit he's in a kind of suit for the beginning of the film. And then I think it was like a month in, he wore, maybe two months in, he wore the full outfit for the first time. And yeah. that was the day that Jim kept having to give the note, please stop smiling. You're supposed to be scared <laughs> in this scene. You're supposed to be, there's meant to be tension. And we were always just like... And you can't also can't help but go... Whenever you see him in a town, he's always like, shut up! Yeah, I remember he told me, I'm the only one who can sing yeah <laughs> you two are an absolute joy pure magic right there thank you both so much for the time today thank you thank you bye-bye and to close this out we have mads mickelson seanette renee wilson and boyd holbrook thank you all for joining us nice to be here thank you so all three of you have let's say a complicated relationship with indiana jones of this film but personally were you all fans of indiana jones growing up mads let's start with you yeah, I was. I mean, this is one of the things where I can honestly say I watched it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Hang on. It was not even DVD. What was it? VHS, I guess. We rented it. Yeah. Five other films, me and my brother. And we never watched the other films. We watched that one five times. So, yeah, that was a game changer, I think, for everyone in my generation. What about you, Shanette? It was a wonderful introduction to American culture and and to cinema. You know, as a young immigrant girl coming from Guyana, it was something I got to do with my older brother and my dad. And like it's, it was just such a fantastic adventure and experience to to watch, especially Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, definitely a fan. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my first memories of seeing a movie was uh, Temple of Doom and them jumping out of a plane and trying to expand a raft that would land on a mountain and ski down it to safety. I mean, that's the movie that made me want to watch more movies. It's so iconic. There's so much adventure on the big screen. Now you're in the movie. When does it hit you on set that you're there filming an Indiana Jones movie? You got a little bit of time to get into it because you're doing costumes and you're, you know, you're doing the, so what kind of hairstyle is it going to be? Is it mustache or no mustache? But you kind of get warmed up to it a little bit. I was slapped in the face with them immediately when we met the first day on set. I was like, 
Woo, we're here. This is uh, quite incredible. Look at all these people. Everyone <laughs> has been working for months and months on this. And here I am just kind of plopped in to, to do my part. And obviously when I encountered Harrison Ford for the first time and calling him Mr. Ford and him being like, don't call me Mr. Ford. Just kind of <laughs> have that kind of wonderful camaraderie was also really beautiful, really grounding and lovely. Getting into the car, uh, you all dressed up, first day of shooting, go down the road, take a corner, and it's there. Everything's built. There's a train with 500 extras. The scope is enormous, right? It's not green screen. It's there. So mm. I think that, that just makes you realize, okay, this is special. This is this is a big one. Very, very special. Another thing that we know about Indy's adventures are the villains that he encounters along the way. So for Mad specifically, how did you shape this character? Did you go back to the past films to reference anyone that you'd seen before? Tell us more about that. I remember them quite vividly, and some of them you just you can't step into their shoes. I mean, you remember the little guy when he's burned. And his burn. it's like it's just only that kind of person can pull that off. But I did wear glasses, though. <laughs> no, inspired by real people who <clears throat> came from Germany and all of a sudden had a great job in NASA in America. Uh, there were quite a few of these guys, so we looked at them and figured out how they were able to fit into society with their past. So that was the inspiration. So, Shanette, how would you describe yourself as a government agent in this film? Someone who's kind of thrusted into a situation that she would never have desired or requested from her superior to be part of. I think it's a wonderful representation, I guess, of that time period and the recruitment of Black Americans, unfortunately, to infiltrate the Black Panthers, COINTELPRO, all these other things. And maybe there was a kind of a trajectory for her in that way, but she was assigned this other thing. And I think it's it's kind of a brilliant way of showcasing the tension and we're the, the grayness within our government and who we aligned ourselves with to achieve incredible scientific feats and what we hold and what we value. And I think this is a great lesson of, you know, Nazis are never the way to go. <laughs> um, but it was wonderful uh, to represent that time period with my costume and, and just to, to be a, a character of her esteem. I love it. There's a lot that's new there. Boyd, for you, though, there's a bit of familiarity here with James Mangold. This is a reuniting for you. What was it like on an Indiana Jones film together? It was better than the first time because there was a lot more toys, I guess. You know, everything's baked into Indiana Jones. Harrison is, you know, he's coming higher in age. Yeah, he's got 40 years doing this franchise. I knew that it would be really, really special. And Jim's, he's just the most passionate filmmaker I've ever had the ability to work with. So I knew that he was the guy for the job. And I'm, I'm sure if I was offered this by some other director, I would have passed on this. Yeah. I love it. You all are kind of teasing a little bit about Harrison. So we have to ask the question, were there any of your own personal artifacts, memories that you're going to take away from filming with him throughout this project? His inner child is always at play. And it's, it's so wonderful mm -hmm. to see someone of his age um, continually engaged with playfulness and curiosity. Um, like for instance, uh, there was a moment where we were like on the train and I just miss him, but the doors didn't close. There was some kind of you know malfunction with the doors. <laughs> and then he hopped out and then it closed and they're just like looking at me and I made like a little <laughs> silly little face at me. There's just like moments like that I, I really, really valued. Remember in the van when he's just got this great way. It's like watching a master class. The van's rocking and he just uses the set and he's like rocks into this line. 
It's so iconic. Him in the back of that. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things, right? I mean, yeah. but just sitting this close to him and watching how he works, you know, he's just he's luring the camera in. It's a thing that you can't really put a finger on how to do it, but he knows what it is. And you can mm. you can tell that it's, it's happening right in front of your eyes. Now it's happening. That movie magic and you're all a part of it. I really love what you said earlier though, Mads. You said that the, there's physical sets that you're stepping into. Can you talk to us a little bit about the action scenes and how this all comes to life? Because there's so many elements I'm sure that come into play to make this what we see on screen. I think you guys were a little more involved in action than I was. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's so for example, all the engines in the film were actually converted into electric engines so that they wouldn't make noise while we're shooting. So, for example, the motorcycles, the Harleys were transferred over to electric. The tuk-tuks were like these Tesla motors that went about 70 miles an hour. And so wow. they arrive a month before in Morocco when we get there and they've planned everything out. So it's like world-class stunts and except for hairs. I got an elbow in the nose. Uh, well, no I got my foot actually, stepped on. I saw Sorry. Olivier crack Harrison. He, in the film, he's supposed to swing and duck. He didn't duck the first time. He did the second. Yeah, he definitely did the second. Are you all getting stunt training, though, like throughout this process, though, to bring this to life? Or is it kind of like you're mapping it out there? Like, on set? I imagine there's rigorous training for this. If it's very specific, like, let's say, a, a larger fight, you would get training. But if it's just one punch, you'll wing it. I was going to say how very Harrison Ford, how very Indiana Jones is you, the humanity, the comedy, kind of just going with the adventure. Okay, so I'll close with this. If each of you could describe in one word what this movie is, what is that word? Who wants to go first? Mads, I see you have it. Like, you got a little light bulb going on there. It's it's history. Yeah, that's good. Mm, say fantastical. I would say screaming from start to finish. It doesn't let up. So, so cool. We're very excited for this film. Thank you all for the time. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Appreciate it. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Wow. What great interviews, Lisa. That was truly star-studded. I'm even more excited for this film now. Right. I mean, it really felt like an incredible adventure to be able to talk to everyone that we did. So I was very excited. Ah, awesome. Well, it is time for five fantastic things to watch this weekend presented by State Farm. For complete details, visit d23.com. Remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Up first, we've got Disney Gallery Star Wars The Mandalorian, the making of season three. The first episode is now streaming on Disney Plus. So if you ever wanted to see behind the curtain on The Mandalorian, specifically season three, check it out now. Nice. I'm really excited about that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've got one for you all. Home Improvement, seasons one through eight. Taking it back. Oh, right? Such a good throwback. It's a <laughs> Such a good throwback. <laughs> Disney legend Tim Allen, of course, is here back as the star of television's Tool Time show. I can't wait for this, you guys. That sounds so fun, taking it back to the 90s. Mm -hmm. Fast forward <laughs> back to 2023. The villains of Valley View had an all-new episode airing this Friday, where Jake, played by Reed Horseman, joins a karate class to restore his respect. Nice. nice. <laughs> Grownish, the season six premiere is now streaming on Hulu. So if you missed the season six premiere on Freeform, have no fear. It's on Hulu. <laughs> there we go. 
And an all-new episode of Kiff will air this Saturday, July 1st on Disney Channel and Disney XD. The episode's two new stories include Weird Delivery, in which Kiff and Barry want to go home, but they get sucked into a strange adventure. Ooh. Well, thank you again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, Use hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back soon with more D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.